morning. My name is Norbert. Welcome to Point of Grace Church. We are honored by your presence. This is our 28th year of anniversary, and I'd like to welcome you all. Special shout out to those who are watching and worshiping with us online. Thank you very much for coming. For the whole month of February, we are talking about lessons from this, uh, the book of Joshua. And there are so many stories from there. Uh, we talked about perspective. We talk about the big picture. Today, I want to talk to you about surrender. It's probably not the best time to talk about surrender because of this anniversary. But we're continuing our series, and this is our series. You probably know that um, the Russia has already invaded Ukraine. And the last thing that we know, as peace-loving people, we would like to see the white flag at the end of this. We would like peace, after all. Uh, talking about white flag, we're talking about surrender. And talking about white flag, uh, if you've been born before 1975, you know Muhammad Ali. Yes? Who knows Muhammad Ali? All right, you know. You also know Joe Fraser, correct? If you were born after 1975, you can check YouTube. <laughs> it's all in YouTube. You can watch it in YouTube. I tried to watch it many times. See, Muhammad Ali was hailed to be one of the greatest boxers of all time. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, of course, may uh, not agree, but he said that he is the greatest boxer of all time. And during that time, he's very good. He's very good in this sport. He dances in the ring. He's a good personality. He has charisma. Everything in a package of a boxer. But Joe Fraser is called Smoking Joe. He's very good also, just like uh, Mike Tyson. He's, he's, uh, he's got a big hook. That's what he's got. And in 1975, October, um, there was uh, the last uh, fight of their third installment of their fights uh, in held in the Philippines in Araneta Coliseum. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. October 1975, 27,000 people were there watching the boxing fight. This is, this is the heavyweight fighting championship. And according to commentators, there were about at least half a million people watching on live TV. So a lot of people really are watching. And, and so they started box, uh, they box each other. Um, Fraser was concentrating on the, the body of Ali. Muhammad Ali was concentrating on the face and eye of Joe Fraser. At the end of the 14th round, when the bell rang, both of them are seated. They are both exhausted at this point. Muhammad Ali, some, some said that the, the ribs of Muhammad Ali has already cracked. And he's about to give up. He's so tired. He wants to give up. But then Fraser, at, on the other corner, his left face was swollen. His other eye was about to close. The right eye had a cataract, so he's almost fighting blind. And his trainer at that time, Eddie Futch, before the 15th round even began, he threw in the towel. He said, it, call it quits. Even though Joe Fraser still have his ego standing up, but his trainer knew what he's got. And his trainer knew that he has to save Joe Fraser from shame. If not, if it is just for Joe Fraser, he would not surrender. Because you see, sometimes ego gets in the way of surrender. Would you say amen to that? See, ego gets in the way of surrender. That's why we cannot surrender. Sometimes when Kathy and I had a fight, and argue, sorry, not a fight, argue. <laughs> when Kathy and I argue, sometimes I feel like I'm Joe Frazier, almost blind, on the other corner, 
and my wife on the other corner, Muhammad Kathy, is waiting for the 15th round. See, you can relate to me. If you're a father, if you're a husband, you can relate to me. If you're a, a wife also, if you're a, a parent, if you're a sibling, you can relate to me. W you have a friend, you have argued with someone, you can relate to me. There are times that you know that that fight is an unwinnable fight, and yet we don't want to surrender because ego gets in the way. But you also know that surrender is your only way to freedom. So the questions are, how do we know when it's time sur to surrender? What does it take for you to decide to surrender? What does it take for you to decide and really understand that this is an unwinnable fight that you cannot win? To answer those questions, let's turn to the story of Achan. Now, to those of you who are not familiar with the story of Achan, so Charlton Heston, the one who played the Ten Commandments, Moses, was replaced by Joshua. Joshua now led the people of Israel. They're now inside Palestine, but they will have to manage conquering all the inhabitants in the land. The first city that they conquered is called Jericho. Jericho was tough. But before they even conquered, God said, all the gold, all the silver, all the bronze and iron must go to the treasury of the Lord. You cannot take any of that. It must go to the treasury of the Lord. And so everybody obeyed God, except for one man. There's one man who's smart enough to say, I like some gold for myself. I have this investment for myself. So this man is called Achan. Achan took some gold, some silver, and a beautiful, expensive Louis Vuitton shawl. I know there's no Louis Vuitton in there. I'm making this up. But that's the idea. He took something. He thought nobody knew. He thought it was a secret. He thought that he can keep it a secret. So he took them, went to his tent, and hid the treasures in his tent. Very interesting. So nobody thought. Nobody. He thought nobody knew. So when the time for the second attack in a different city called Ai, because of the sin of, of Achan, they were all afraid and they were routed by the enemy. According to the account, 36 men died because of that. Let me read to you Joshua chapter 7, verse 16, just three verses. It starts with saying, so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, and the son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. God was trying to reveal who took something from God. So by the process of elimination, God revealed to Joshua who's the culprit. See, here's the, the funny thing. Achan was not ready to come forward, to come clean. He's waiting to be confronted before he even said sorry. It was God who led Joshua, man by man, tribe by tribe, family by family, clan by clan, to find who's the real culprit here. It was Achan. And what's very interesting here is that Achan was not ready to surrender. Why? Because ego is in the way. He will not just surrender. He just took a bar of gold, 200 shekels of silver, and a very expensive shawl from Shiner. Now, they are now part of the family treasure. And he thought he can keep the family secret. He can keep this secret for long, but how long? He would not come forward until he's confronted and his secrets revealed. Now, there's another story that you know. There are two brothers. One brother who became very jealous, thought one day he will eliminate his brother. So he invited his brother over 
walked to the field and then murdered his brother in cold blood. And then he came back home as if nothing happened. He thought nobody saw him. He thought it was a secret. But God confronted him and God said, where's your brother? And if, as if nothing happened, he denied. And by saying, am I my brother's keeper? Why should I know? How should I know? I don't know him. But then God said, the blood of your brother cries from the ground for justice. See, even if he thinks it was a secret, even if he thinks nobody saw him, God saw him. It's not a secret. See, I think we live in an illusion that we think that no, nobody's looking at us. Nobody's interested. Probably God is, is, more, is busier and he's somewhere out there probably in Ukraine. He's busy somewhere there. It's more important over there. Or probably God is in North Korea because it's more important over there. Not in my life. God's not watching me. But the truth is there's a teaching in the Bible that talks about that. It's called omniscience. God knows everything. God sees everything. Cain thought that he did something in secret. But you see, he was not also ready to throw in the towel, so he said, am I a brother's keeper? Because ego always gets in the way of surrender. Now, if you believe that God does not know your secret, it's bad news, you're deeply mistaken. Because the Bible said, God knows everything. And if you don't believe that, believe it now. All secrets will be revealed, ultimately. See, in the age of surveillance cameras and IP addresses, there's no such thing as secret. Would you say amen to that? Everything that you do in the computer is there forever. It's there. And I wonder how many of us are like Achan who will continue to deny and lie until we are confronted and cornered. We'll try to keep it a secret because I, I get it. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that people would know my secret. But you see, all rotten thing stinks. And it, if it stinks, it will be discovered later on. You can run, but you cannot run forever. You can hide, but you cannot hide forever. That's a thing. Eventually, they will all catch up to us because without surrender, there is no freedom. Now, Achan is caught. Now, he confessed. I want to show you the anatomy of the crime here because this is very interesting. What he did was, first he saw, and then he desired or coveted, and then he took. Let's read from verse 20 and 21. This is what it said in chapter 7. And Achan answered Joshua when he was confronted. He said, truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw, that's the first movement. When I saw that the spoil, among the spoil, a beautiful cloak from Shiner, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted. First he saw, and then he coveted, and then he took. So first he saw, then he desired, and then he took. And see, they're hidden in the earth beside, inside my tent with the silver underneath. Now, he's not original in this. It happened way, way back to the very beginning. This is a classic Eve move in the Garden of Eden. See, one afternoon, Eve was walking in the garden, and then she saw the fruit of the tree. And she thought, hmm, it might be very good. It's, it's good for the eyes. It will make me really wise. So she desired it before, and then she took it, ate it, and gave it to her husband. It's the same thing. Y you remember David? 
the King David, one time when there was wars, instead of going to war, he was on his palace. And one afternoon, from his palace, he saw a woman bathing on the rooftop, Bathsheba. Yeah? First he saw, and then he desired, he invited Bathsheba to his palace, and then went to bed with her. First he saw, then he desired, and then he took. See, it's the same thing with us when we fall into temptation. First we look, and then we desire, and then we take. It all starts with a single look. But you see, look is not really the look. Look is something that you brew inside your heart because it starts in the heart level. Don't you find it interesting that when Jesus raised the bar to redefine what adultery means, he said, if you of anyone look lustfully at a woman, he therefore commits adultery in his heart because everything starts in the heart. See, all the Ten Commandments are good. But the Ten Commandments, if you're very observant, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, neighbor's wife, neighbor's property, neighbor's donkey, dot, dot, dot. It's the only commandment that says, you shall not covet. See, that's the second movement. First you look, and then you covet, and then you take. It's very interesting because the movement here is easy. It's easy to, to understand. I'm going to give you some practical advice so that you don't fall into temptation. Are you ready? All right. <clears throat> if you are not brave heart, that means if you don't have a heart for temptation, <laughs> never, ever, ever attempt to bring your credit card to a shopping outlet. All good? Are we good? Second, this is good, good advice. Never, ever go online during President's Day, Black Friday, or Cyber Monday. You will be tempted. This third one is the best, I think. Promise yourself to not check Amazon any time of the day. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And just in case you're walking outside, you come across someone who's wearing a very expensive shoes, this is what you should do. You take a deep breath. Close your eyes and say, it's made from China. <laughs> See, Achan hid the treasures inside his tent where it's secure. It's not, just, it's not just that he went inside his tent to secure the treasures. He dug a hole, put the treasures in the hole, covered it. That's kind of double lock. That's Achan. I mean, he's, he really intends to keep this a secret. That's a double combination lock. See, but here's the thing. His sin was personal. I understand that. But not all sins are private. His sins may be personal, but it's never private. There's no such thing as a private sin. Say it. Say it. There's no such thing as a private sin. Your sin may be personal, but there's no such thing as a private sin. See, Achan did this by himself. Nobody told him. Nobody forced him. He did it by himself. And yet, he dragged the name of his tribe, Judah. He dragged the name of his clan, Zabdi. He dragged the name of his family. And now all his children died because of his greed. Because he hid the treasures for himself. He may, be com he may have committed a personal sin, but that sin is never private. Let me read to you chapter 7, verse 1. This is what it said. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. 
And I think this is very interesting. It didn't say, but Achan broke faith with, no. It says, but the people of Israel broke faith. It was not Achan alone. It was the sin of the whole nation of Israel. The last part of this says, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. It's not the anger of the Lord burned against Achan alone. See, the sin of one is the sin of all. This is how God looks at it. It's not a personal sin. It's not just a personal sin. It's the sin of everyone. And therefore, there's no private sin. There is never really a private sin. The same reason why there's no such thing as a private sin is the same reason why holiness cannot exist in a vacuum. We are all interconnected with each other. We are inextricably connected with each other. We are, in fact, a community, a very small community. Look at how Achan was described here. Achan was the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah. He cannot divorce his identity from the people around him, from his community. He is very much part of this community. That's why there is no private sin. Have you ever heard of the thing called six degrees of separation? Anyone? Yes. Uh, six degrees of separation is a concept that talks about the small community that we are in. So my friend is a friend of a friend of a friend of this friend. And we are bound to meet each other, six degrees of separation. Let me prove it. Case in point, you are here right now. Because my friend, a friend of the church, who is a friend of another, invited you here. Yes? We are all connected to one another. We are in the same community. We are inextricably connected to one another. That means the vast majority of the world, the world has shrunk, really. And so what I'm saying is that perhaps this time is not an accident that you are here. Today is maybe not an accident that you're here. Maybe it's really God's timing that you're here. So that God is confronting you and saying, it's time to throw in the towel. This fight is unwinnable. You cannot run forever. Because surrender is your only way to freedom. And you might be thinking, you know, Achan only stole a bar of gold, some couple of silvers, and a very expensive cloak. That's it. It's a petty crime. We can forgive him. But what you don't understand is that this is serious sin. How serious? 36 men died. That means 36 fathers, 36 husbands, 36 brothers, 36 loved ones died because of the greed of one man. That's how serious it is. The Bible says that his sin was an outrageous thing in Israel. The Bible also said that he transgressed the covenant of the Lord. In the language of the Game of Thrones, it's what you call high treason. It's treason what Achan did. Although he may have just stolen a piece of a bar of gold, a couple of silvers, and a cloak, but this is treason in the eyes of the Lord. And the, and the burning anger of the Lord is upon Israel, not just on one man, but upon Israel here. I was watching the news the other day about the update on the Parkland shooting. You know this. Uh, what happened in the uh, Douglas High School. Nicholas Cruz was 19. He was kicked out of the school. So he hates the school. He hates the students in the school. He bought a semi-automatic rifle, an AR-15 in Sunrise, and then he plotted, he made plans. And one day he took an Uber, went to the school, 
and randomly shot 17 people. 17 people. 17 lives were affected. And the families of those 17 people were affected. We could just simply say this is just a random act of craziness, but it's really not. He planned it. First, he saw an opportunity, and then he brewed the plan, then he took it. I mean, it's all, it's all good in his plan. Because right after the shooting, he just calmly walked away. He was arrested miles away. No, this is not just some petty thing. This is a serious thing. One of those victims was named uh, by the name of Peter Wang. He's 15 years old. And during that day, in 2018, he was wearing a JROTC uniform. His only dream, according to commentators, was to enter West Point so that he can serve his country. And during that day, at that day, that very moment, he was helping students get to safety when a bullet took him. See, in the time of Joshua, stoning was the capital punishment. If you did something that's really worth death, it's stoning. So Achan was brought in the Valley of Acre. In the dry Valley of Acre, there were plenty of dry, unpolished rocks like this. Let me show you. What I'm holding here is kind of the rock. The rock that you can find in the dry valley of Akor. There are plenty of these around that valley. Now imagine yourself, you're one of the families of those 36 men that died because of Achan. And now Achan and his family is in the valley. You're looking down to their family and you're ready to throw your stones. If not hundreds, thousands of these stones. You know that God hates Achan because of what he did. And you hate also him. Because if you don't execute, God will execute the whole nation of Israel. So you're forced to bring the judgment of God through these stones. So you throw your stone. The whole nation of Israel took their turns through the stones until there was no life in the body of Achan. See, this is called sacrilege. Drastic times call for drastic measures. When the Romans took over, Jewish high court, it's called the Sanhedrin, were forbidden to execute capital punishment. Because the Romans then, in the time of Jesus, were in charge. They're not allowed to stone anyone. It was the Romans who will execute the capital punishment. And their choice of punishment is not stoning, but crucifixion. Very interesting how they do it. They invented the most horrific way to die and suffer. Not just to die, but to suffer. That's why the Sanhedrin during that time have to build their case against Jesus so that they can give Jesus to the Romans so that Jesus will be executed because they have no power whatsoever to execute Jesus. So they conspired. They conspired with Judas, one of his disciples of Jesus, and Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces is so much less than what Achan stole from the treasury of God, 200 pieces of silver. Judas just asked for 30 pieces of silver. It's not even that much. So after that, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was brought to Pilate, the real representative of Rome, the one who can execute the judgment, the capital punishment, the crucifixion. And when he was brought to Pilate, Pilate asked him many things. 
And at the end of the day, Pilate knew and found out that Jesus was innocent. There's nothing to charge him of capital punishment. There's no treason in what he did. So he, he presented Jesus to the people and said, I found him not guilty. He's innocent. But the people hated Jesus to the teeth. They hated Jesus so much that they said, crucify him, crucify him. So at this point, Pilate made two unconventional moves. First, what he did was, he, like you know, any politician, he said, now is the time for celebration. During the time of the year, we release a prisoner. I'd like you to make a, ch a choice. I'm going to release one prisoner for you. I'd like to release either Jesus Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas is a known murderer and killer and thief and an insurrectionist. He is really guilty. Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Messiah, the one who fed you, the one who healed you, the one who raised the dead, but the one who claims to be king. Which one would you like me to release? And the people said Barabbas. I don't get it. People did, uh, Pilate did not get it. He, he tried his best to wrap around his head, to wrap around this, but he could not understand. So he made his second move. His second move was he instructed these, these soldiers to make a mockery out of Jesus so that when he presented Jesus to the people, the people would just take pity on Jesus and forget about this thing. So what the soldiers did, they put a crown of thorns on the head of Jesus. They put a purple robe around Jesus. And when Pilate presented Jesus, he said, behold your king. But the people were so angry that the people said, we have no other king but Caesar. I mean, they could not accept that Jesus who fed them, who raised the dead, who did so many things, who taught about God, would claim to be king, and therefore they would say rather that there's no other king but Caesar. They would rather choose Jesus Barabbas. Now listen to this. Achan just stole a bar of gold, a couple of silvers, and a beautiful and expensive shawl. Nothing more. But for that reason, he was stoned to death. See, Jesus, for claiming to be king, instead of a golden crown, he received Roman iron like this. This is a six-inch nail that, according to archaeologists, are the same nails, possibly, that were used to crucify Jesus. Instead of a golden crown, Jesus received three of these. I can't imagine the, the pain and the shame of being nailed involuntarily to the cross and in the public shame, in the sight of everyone. In, instead of a, a robe that is fit for a king, on the cross, his garments were divided among his captors. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver is the cost to buy a slave to buy a cow. That's the cost of betraying Jesus. Same thing with Achan. See, Achan betrayed the whole nation of Israel for a petty bar of gold, some silvers, and a very expensive shawl. The condemnation of Achan is repeated here. See, the wrath of God is on the nation of Israel. But they decided that Achan will receive this condemnation himself alone. And so Achan was stoned to death as a representative of the whole nation. 
See, in the same way, during that time when Pilate released Barabbas, Barabbas is the representative of all the nation of Israel. He's, the nation of Israel is guilty before God. But Barabbas took their place. But instead of Barabbas, it was Jesus who took Barabbas' place. You see, this is the thing. Barabbas was not released because the people said, we don't want him. Barabbas was released because Jesus stepped in. That's the reason why. See, here's the thing. We are all Barabbas. And Jesus traded this innocence for the love of the very people who condemned him. I'm going to end this story with the Valley of Acre. I'm going to ask the, the music team to come. Give me five more minutes for this, but they will come and, and help me end this. The Valley of Acre is also the Valley of Trouble because Acre means trouble and Achan means, it's like Dennis the Menace, trouble. Achan means trouble. He was brought to the Valley of Acre. So the whole family was brought to the Valley of Acre. They were stoned to death. And then a great, great heap of stones were raised and they were buried underneath the great heap of stones. In the same way, in the same way, Jesus was also crucified in Golgotha. L let me talk about this one. See, the city of Jerusalem was on top of a hill. And the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by walls. That means outside the walls are valleys. See, there's a, a gate that's called the fish gate in the north side of Jerusalem in that wall and there was a valley going down very steep it's called Golgotha so Jesus according to the Bible went to Golgotha and was crucified there in the valley of Golgotha Golgotha also means skull that means the place of skull or the valley of skull became the valley of death look at me hundreds of years ago David wrote in his psalm, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He knew beforehand, in advance, hundreds of years, that this valley of death is nothing to be feared of because God is with him. You see, we are all Achans and Barabbas. We're the ones guilty before God. We have kept the secret for so long. We're the ones who stole something that belongs to God. I know that. It's shameful. It's embarrassing. But what can we do? Maybe today's the day of surrender. See, it's very hard. It's very hard to run and run when we know that the fight against God is an unwinnable fight. We are Achans, which means we are the sons of trouble. We are Barabbas, which means we are the sons of our fathers. And just like the prodigal son, the prodigal son who have forsaken his father, we are being asked by God, we are being chased by the very grace of God so that we can have the chance to go back and be restored and become really the children of God. See, you can hide, but you cannot hide forever. You can run, but you cannot run forever. Maybe today, today is the day that you will realize that the fight against God is an unwinnable fight. And believe me when I say this, that the grace of God chases after you. 
the love of God chases after us. It is the love of the father that the prodigal son knew. He knew the heart of his father. That's why he decided to come back one day. Because he knew his father would forgive him. See, if this is the day when you realize, I cannot do this anymore, I'm tired of running, I'm tired of hiding my secrets, this is the day of surrender. This is the day where you throw in the towel. It's a time of surrender. Say to God, I'm, I'm not strong, I'm tired, I want to surrender to you. I want to do it today.